Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome to our latest vodcast. And this will be a little bit different than many of the vodcasts I've done. Many of the others were put together as parts of lectures I was giving at meetings, and I guess in some sense this is also from a meeting, but rather than going through a large topic, uh, I was speaking at the American Heart a couple weeks ago, and my title of my talk was Non-Coronary Cardiac CT Challenging Case Studies. And I gave a number of cases. The good news is it was all cardiologists and they got all the answers wrong. So there's hope for radiology. But in all seriousness, what I like to do is look at a series of cases that are kind of interesting. Nothing that's so esoteric that you gotta look up some crazed syndrome, but you know, cases that I think you will see in practice that I think are very interesting. So let's look at the first case. And I'll ask you what the most likely diagnosis in this case is, and let's look at some images. So the first image you look at is you're seeing a scan through the base of the heart and you see a filling defect, and if you think about what chamber that is, that's in the right atrium. Now, filling defect in the right atrium, it's against the posterior wall, what should you be thinking of? Well, you should be thinking of maybe a primary atrial tumor, and then you're thinking of myxomas, and myxomas are more commonly, of course, uh, something we see in the left atrium. It could be metastasis, it could be a thrombus, but let's look at it a little bit more, and if you look at it here, you can see on these two images, very nice 3D coronals, volume rendered, with uh, two different displays, that inverted display which shows you the filling defect uh, sort of sitting in the right atrium, and you also see, just uh, as an incidental finding, a defect or a thrombus in the SVC. But you can see when you look at this set of images, which is an anterior projection or from a sagittal projection, you're really seeing a mass that's really extending into the right atrium. It's not arising in the right atrium like a MET maybe, or a uh, classic thrombus, or a myxoma, but it's something growing in. And in fact, so at this point, you know, what are you thinking of? Well, growing in, you gotta be thinking of something from below the diaphragm. Well, then what do you think about? Well, let's look at a differential diagnosis. If it was a thrombus, that'd be a possibility. Atrial myxoma, as I mentioned, only 15% are in the right atrium. 85% are in the left atrium. The ones in the right atrium calcify more commonly. This wasn't calcified. And then we think about tumor extension. So it could be renal, adrenal, and hepatoma. Those are the three things that commonly grow up from the abdomen into the cava, into the right heart. Yes, you can have primary IVC sarcomas, and yes, you could have other sarcomas that grow into the cava, but these are the most common. And of course, I guess lymphoma would be a possibility. And if I show you some more images, look at these images. Beautiful example of a renal cell carcinoma, hypervascular, extensive neovascularity, tumor growing into the right renal vein, in fact, crossing the midline going into the left renal vein, but then growing up the IVC and into the atrium. And you can see on this three-dimensional view, interactive display with MIP, just a beautiful example of the neovascularity and really showing you the power of reconstructed views, showing you the extent. And so if this patient would be operated on, the surgeon would know that the patient needed a cardiac thoracic approach to be able to remove the thrombus from that patient's atrium. So again, very nice example. And on the second video, you see uh, very much the similar thing. You also see very nicely the single right renal artery, which uh, is normal proximally, but the extensive neovascularity that is present in this patient's tumor. And if you look then at the uh, third video again, this is volume rendered, just to give you a total feel. Look how normal the left kidney is. Again, that infiltration of the right kidney, that neovascularity, just a very nice example. 
So now in the same patient, if I showed you a few late images and early images, here's the thrombus, here's the cava expanded, and of course, as we showed you, the tumor grew up from the renal vein into the IVC, into the patient's right atrium. So that was the, the answer. Just a very nice example in that regard. Okay, let me show you another case. Patient has shown us a breath dyspnea. What's going on in this patient? Well, when you look at it, what are we looking at here? Well, it looks like the ventricle, the LV, is compressed. And is that ventricular thickening, a hypertrophy? But then you look, it's kind of circumferential around the heart. And these are axial images. Patient also has a pleural effusion on the right side. And I'll show it to you in MIP display. Look how there's almost like scalloping of the chambers of the heart, both the RV and the LV. The pulmonary veins look okay, and the atrium is a bit posterior, but what is going on? So what you're looking at, and I'll just again think, where are you? Well, you're really looking, and you can show nicely here, at the pericardium. So we have a process that's infiltrating the pericardium. And this is not a pericardial effusion. It's not that water density, you know, bag appearance on the underside of the heart. This is something that's infiltrating the pericardium. There aren't too many things that infiltrate the pericardium. Here's a view very anterior, and here's a view a little further back. The pericardium typically is a few millimeters in thickness, typically under two millimeters. You have minimal fluid up to 50 cc's. When you have calcification, it's typically seen in constrictive pericarditis. But the pericardium is involved in a range of inflammatory and neoplastic processes. So let's talk about that for a moment. When the pericardium is involved by tumors, it's most often metastatic disease rather than a primary tumor. And typical mets, the ones you think about most are lung cancer and thymoma, but esophagus, breast, and melanoma is in the differential diagnosis as well. And I guess we can be more specific and say lung cancer is most common in males and breast cancer in females. But there are primary tumors of the pericardium, and the most common is an angiosarcoma. It's the most common cardiac sarcoma, and most commonly in a middle-aged patient like this one. It's typically located near the right atrial free wall with involvement of the pericardium, and it infiltrates. So you can see it very nicely in this example. It's a wonderful case. We're actually putting together a series of cases on a cardiac uh, uh, angiosarcoma. For whatever reason, we've seen about four or five cases in a month period. Again, it's fairly rare. Again, don't confuse this with simply pericardial effusion or hemopericardium. There's really mass effect. Now, I mentioned to you in the beginning, I wasn't going to give you any syndromes. Well, I lied. So think syndromes. Look at this case. This patient has an abdominal wall and chest wall defect. Well, look at the heart. It's very medial, but the heart is literally pushing through the central portion of the chest. That means there's a defect in the sternum and interior abdominal wall. And when you look at the sagittal 3D reconstructions, look at the apex of the heart. Look how it's pushing right through the chest. And if I add a little bit of skin back on, look how it's protruding into the upper abdomen. And by the way, when I look more carefully at the heart, the patient has pulmonary valve stenosis, huge main pulmonary artery with smaller right and left main pulmonary trunks. And here's a few more views from above, that heart literally sticking outside of the chest. And here it is again, volume rendering. Look at that defect, okay? So now you gotta tell me, what is it that gives us the heart being basically externalized? 
what is the syndrome that does that also associated with cardiac anomalies and there's only one thing that does that and it's really an unusual process called the pentology of Cantrell it's exteriorization of the heart it's associated with cardiac anomalies like ASD VSD and tetralogy of Fallot you typically have an omphalocele and a defect of the lower sternum there's a deficiency in the diaphragmatic pericardium this is typically a fatal condition. So this case, in fact, was recognized in utero. So you can see the heart is coming through the central portion of the chest, and there is the appearance. It's just a very unusual case and something I thought that would be of interest to you. Okay, let's look at the next case. What about this one? A patient comes in, has a chest x-ray. They suggest the mediastinal mass. What could it be? Well, you look at the axial images. It looks like the aorta or subclavian is dilated but on the axials but then look at the 3d a very very high aortic arch with basically what looks like an s and i'll show it to you again high arch you see the left subclavian coming off but look at that kind of like defect cutting down the descending aorta it almost looks and gives you the feel for a second like the patient has a co-arc and it is sort of relatively narrow and i'll show it to you again it is kind of relatively narrowed, but it's not as narrowed as a coarct. So what are we dealing with in this case? Well, there is something that's kind of like a coarct, and it's called a pseudocoarct. But it's different. You have an elongated and redundant thoracic aorta with a kink distal to the left subclavian artery at the ligamentum arteriosum. Can present at any age, often presents in the teenage years. Patients are typically asymptomatic, but patients do have hypertension, bicuspid valves, and anomaly of the arch branches. Important differences between this and coarct, there's no pressure gradient present. Because of its ectatic nature, the esophagus may be displaced, and there is no rib notching because you don't see the typical collateralization. Differential diagnosis would be true coarct, aneurysm of the arch, and a mediastinal mass. So a wonderful case. And since I mentioned coarct, let me just show you the difference. Here's a coarct. Now you see it's past left subclavian near the ligamentum arteriosum, but you see as I run through the images, there's a marked narrowing of the aorta and probably a postanotic dilatation. It's not that very high arch in the same way, but it's truly a coarctation of the aorta. If you look carefully, there are collaterals present. Uh, so you're really seeing it. Here it is on a sagittal view. It's truly a marked narrowing of the uh, contour of the volume of the cross-sectional diameter of the aorta very nicely shown and here it is in a few views and again coarctation of the aorta something we all remember narrowing of the aortic lumen results in lv hypertrophy because of the change in pressure collaterals and rib notching are common it may be an isolated finding or associated with other cardiac diseases and just another fact 20 to 30 percent of turner's patients have coarctation Coarcs are more common in males than females by about two to one. And just to remind everybody, bicuspid valves are seen in half the cases. VSD and PDAs are not uncommon. You can get subaortic or mitral stenosis. And here's that same patient and very nice definition of the patient's aortic valve, which is a bicuspid valve. So again, very nice demonstration. So let me take you and show you one last case before we take a break. A uh, 15-year-old was showing us a breath. Here's a CT gated study. Now take a look at the patient's left atrium. 
So I'll make it easy for you. What is that line in the left atrium? Show it to you again. There's a cleft, there's a membrane, there's a line, or it's an artifact in the patient's left atrium. Well, it's a gated study. There is no artifact at that point. It's a very pretty study. And when we look at it in a coronal display, you can see it cutting through most of the left atrium. And what is that? Well, it's a classic diagnosis, core tratrium. And it's an anomaly where the left atrium is separated by a membrane or a fibromuscular band. In pediatric patients, it's associated with uh, congenital anomalies like tetralogy of Fallot, double outlet right ventricle or coarctation, and typically involves the left atrium. It rarely will involve the patient's uh, right atrium. And here it is again, just a beautiful example. Now, in saying that, it's uncommon. It's under 0.4% of all uh, uh, cardiac disease in infants. Most patients typically present in infants, though others can present in childhood, as this kid did. And the presentations can be asymptomatic with heart murmur, incidental finding, which could be, and this was an incidental finding on a patient during their echo. And symptoms were dyspnea, hemoptysis, atrial fibrillar, systemic thromboembolism. Those are all possibilities. So in saying that, that's the end. But you know, that's where I kind of stopped when I did, when I did the uh, American Heart meeting. So let me show you some more cases. But I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's take a five-minute break. Everyone get some coffee, and we'll come back in five minutes. Thanks a lot.